Welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Joining us on the line today, we've got the leader of the Australian Prayer Network, Brian Pickering. How are you, mate? I'm well, thanks, Matt. How are you? Very good. It's great to have you with us today. Now, I was just explaining to Rochelle uh, how I've been so much impacted by the Australian Prayer Network over the years, and you send out these weekly emails, and we often talk about them uh, on the radio. For those who don't know what the Australian Prayer Network is, give us a bit of a snapshot. Uh, the Australian Prayer Network, uh, its its ministry role is to pray for the nation and pray for the church in the nation. So we have about uh, 700 churches affiliated with us and a couple of thousand prayer groups across the nation. Uh, and together with the individual intercessors who belong, we can reach about 100,000 people, we believe, uh, with uh, uh, information and uh, prayer requests for them to pray about in relation to uh, to Australia. Brian, in that particular kind of role, you must hear some amazing stories because, you know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And, you know, we're very uh, proactive here at Vision Radio about prayer, about getting Australians to pray and getting the church to pray. Uh, what are some of the highlight stories or situations that you've come across in your time in that role? Well, we've had uh, many, many stories uh some of national significance and others uh, just individual stories of individual people having prayers answered. But I suppose when we, when we think about the nation, uh, I guess one of the most significant uh, uh, answers to prayer we've had was in relation to the last great drought that affected Australia. Uh, that was back in about 2006, 2007. Uh, and people might remember back then that uh, we were being told that uh, dams would be drying up and, uh, and all sorts of things would be happening. And so uh, at that point of time, uh, many were calling for prayer for the nation, but we felt not to actually pray for rain, but we felt to ask our network to seek the face of God and to spend 40 days asking him why he was withholding the rain. Uh, and that brought a very, very inter interesting response because uh, at the end of the 40 days, we asked people to send us in all the scriptures that they received during that period of time. And we had thousands of scriptures come in. We'd spent quite a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, collating them all. But out of that, we got a very clear picture, we believe, of what God was saying to the nation. Uh, there, there were hundreds of individual scriptures received. Um, but there was one that stood out a little bit above them, 2 Chronicles 7.14, which most people are familiar with. Uh, it was received about uh, three or four times more than the third most popular. But the most popular scripture that was received was uh, 12 times more than 2 Chronicles 7.14, so it stood out like a beacon of light, and that was uh, the first chapter of Haggai. Uh, and so we, we believe that that was the word of the Lord given to us during that 40-day season. And in fact, I still think it is uh, today because we still haven't fully acted on it. And I think if people read Haggai chapter 1, they'd be uh, uh, quite uh, uh, amazed at uh, how clear it is uh, 
describing uh, much of the circumstances of, of today. And in the bottom of it, it says, um, or at the end of it, it says, uh, and this is why I have withheld the rain. So it, it spoke to us of the drought. It spoke to us of what the Lord was showing us with some of the issues. Uh, and then when we dealt with that at the National Solemn Assembly, he then, before we did that, he said to us, go through the, all the scriptures you've been given and pull out any with the word repent in them. Uh, when we did that, he then said, uh, now allocate them into different piles according to what I'm asking you to repent of. And we did that. And we so we finished up with basically six piles. Uh, and each of those piles represented a particular stream of a sin that he wanted us to uh, to deal with. And those six piles were in order of the number of uh, times they were received. Uh, the first one spoke of the sin of lack of intimacy with God. So, uh, uh, And the different scriptures pointed to uh, unbelief, uh, disunity, lukewarmness, compromise, self-centeredness, all of those sort of things which come out of a lack of intimacy with God. And that was the number one pile. The number two pile was idolatry. And, uh, and the scripture spoke about uh, things like pride and arrogance, self-reliance, witchcraft, worship of other gods, materialism, greed, all of those things we lumped under idolatry. And that was the second pile. Uh, the third pile began to deal with uh, the, the things that we often think about when we think about uh, uh, sin. Uh, pile number three was sexual immorality. And that included, uh, you know, things like adultery, fornication, pornography, sexual abuse, all of those sort of things that we, we identify with uh, with uh, sexual immorality. Uh, number four was the shedding of innocent blood. And we often think about abortion and um, euthanasia and uh, suicide and things like that uh, under that heading. And number five was uh, injustice. And uh, injustice was calling attention to the fact that you know, God wanted his church to be a church that cared for the poor, the widows, the fatherless, the oppressed, and we haven't been doing that. Uh, and so uh, injustice was sin number five that he wanted us to repent of. And sin number six was broken covenants. And uh, in broken covenants, he spoke about divorce, unfaithfulness, disobedience to God and things like that. So we had these six piles. Now, if you, you, you'll recognize that uh, the first two are actually sins of the spirit, which we often ignore when we think about sin, because we concentrate on sin as being uh, the sins of the flesh. And three, four, five, and six are indeed sins of the flesh, sins that we get involved in as, as human beings, uh, sexual immorality, shedding of innocent blood, injustice, and broken covenants. But he said an interesting thing to us. He said, now, the reason I've given you, told you to do this is because I want you to note that you spend most of your time trying to deal with sins 3, 4, 5, and 6. But what's most on my heart is 1 and 2. And he said, if you get 1 and 2 right, you won't have to worry about 3, 4, 5, and 6. Wow. Hmm. That's incredible. You know, just listening to that, that was that was the drought in 2006. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're sitting here 2016, everything you've just listed, I'm thinking that is the problem that we have here in Australia today. Every single one of those sins is at the forefront 
of everything that we're we're seeing. And I like to think that God is is trying to tell us something today. Don't you agree, Brian? I do, and that's why I think that Haggai chapter one passage is as much a word to our nation today as it was ten years ago. And because we haven't done anything about it, we've read it, we've acknowledged it, but we haven't changed our way of doing things or our lifestyle. And that's what he's waiting for, a change of lifestyle, not, a, not an acknowledgement that, we, that we've sinned, but to stop doing what we've been doing and do it his way. And Brian, you've been sharing this message all around the nation. I know you travel uh, almost every weekend. You're speaking at a different church in a different city in a different town. What's the response been like on this message you're bringing? The response from the people who attend the, 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 the schools, it's a watchman school of intercession, the people who attend the schools, uh, almost everywhere we go, there's uh, people are uh, just so encouraged and so amazed. Uh, they tell us things like, why, why aren't we hearing this kind of teaching in our churches? Uh, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, overwhelming response, actually. Uh, and so people are hearing the message and people are recognising the message. What we've got to do, though, is we've got to do something with it. And we've got to have it change the way we live, the way we do things, the way the church operates, the, you know, attitudes and all of those sorts of things need to change. That's what repentance is. It's changing, not just confessing our sin. And I know very core to your message is that you believe that we need to see the church in unity in our nation, uh, that we need to be uh, standing together in prayer as the church. And uh, I, I know you shared a great story about a a policeman in Canberra that did a, a map of the crime rate in Canberra and then a map of the, the churches in Canberra. Just tell, tell us what you, what you found in that story. Yeah, that was a police superintendent many years ago in Canberra. He was a Christian, of course, and so he was praying about his own city and the Lord told him to uh, dig into the, uh, the crime statistics of his, of his city. And so uh, he got a map of Canberra out and he plotted on the map of Canberra where every... Uh, crime of violence in the previous five years had occurred. Uh, that's a, a murder, a rape or a bashing or something like that. And so he plotted that on, on the first map and after he'd finished he said to the Lord, well I've done that, what, do I, what are you trying to show me? And the Lord said, get a second map now and put on the second map every place of worship, of Christian worship in the city, a church or even a home church or whatever. Uh, and so he did that and when he'd finished uh, the Lord said, now put the second map on top of the first map. And what he discovered was that where there was a strong worshipping congregation of God's people, uh, there was little or no crime in and around that particular area. But where the church wasn't represented or where the church was weak or dying or, or whatever, he, he found that that's where most of the crime occurred or congregated in his city. So he saw a direct relationship between the life of the church and its, the vibrancy of the church in its worship of God uh, and, and crime or lack of crime. It's fascinating uh, to hear that. And I know you also th uh, threw out the challenge recently when I heard you share this story that churches should be uh, planting into those dark areas, not planting churches in the areas where it's light and where it's easy, where you'll get other Christians from other churches joining your church. <laughs> that's right. And that's what, that's what we do. Uh, you know, when we, 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 we put all our activity or build new churches in places where there's many existing churches because that's where most of the Christians live. 
But if we're thinking from a God perspective, I believe what he's wanting the church to do is to act as, as one and support one another and therefore be able to support a church that's being planted in a dark area, which will struggle in the natural. But if the church, rest of the church in the city is supporting it, by giving resources to it and even people to it, then that's what we should be doing. We should be planting the church in the dark areas of our city, not where most of the Christians live. Before we wrap up, too, I know that you also shared some stats recently that 85% of U.S. Christians only prayed for themselves and their families, and only 15% actually prayed for the world around them. And uh, with the Australian Prayer Network, you're always challenging people to pray for uh, our nation, to pray for the nations of the world, to pray for leaders, to pray for things outside ourselves. Um, just throw out a challenge to people listening right now. How, how can we change our prayer life from praying selfish prayers and uh, you know giving a list of things that we want for our, ourselves to actually uh, praying and being a conduit uh, for God's power and, uh, and praying for things outside of ourselves? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's how you see prayer. Most people think of prayer as just a conversation between them and God. So it's a very personal relationship, and so they share the personal things that affect them every day and the things that they want God to do with them. Uh, but we, we teach that, that prayer is a conversation with God that at a personal level. That's no problem. But it's much more than that. Uh, we see prayer in the spiritual realm as equating to electricity in the natural realm. So electricity is the power base that operates our lives, our modern life. Without electricity, we virtually haven't got anything. And so it is in the spiritual realm that, that prayer is the conduit by which God sends his power from his throne in heaven to our situation here on earth. And the conduit is prayer. Now, when we see it like that, we realize that we've got in our hands a tool to change the world. Uh, so if, if all we're doing is praying about our own needs and ignoring uh, the needs of the world, it means that we don't fully understand the real purpose and, and power of prayer. So our, our ministry is to pray for the nation, pray for the body of Christ. So we are an intercessory prayer network. We stand in the gap between God and the situations and believe that prayer is the power line, if you like, through which power flows from God's throne into the circumstances of life. Well, Brian Pickering, it's been fantastic to talk to you today from the Australian Prayer Network. If people want to connect with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, what's the website they can go to? Uh, www.ausprayernet, which is ausprayernet.org.au. Fantastic, Brian. And I know that uh, you have been trying to retire for many years now, but you keep getting booked to go and preach <laughs> in places. And, and you and your wife, you travel all around the country. Uh, if people want to book you um, to come and speak in their church or to do a, a, a Watchman School of Intercession, it's called, uh, in, in your churches, uh, uh, when, when, when are you next available? Are you booked out for another 12 months or something? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm pretty booked out. I was looking at my diary today trying to find dates uh, into next year. Um, but look, uh, if people want to have a school, be in touch with us. We may be able to suggest other ways of, uh, or let them know of, of places which are where schools are being held nearby. So um, don't give up. Make a contact with us. Well, it's fantastic to be able to catch up with you today. Thanks for inspiring us to be a people of prayer. And uh, we pray the Lord continues to bless you and open doors for you in our nation. Thanks for your time, Brian. I reckon you're a history maker. God bless. Yes, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Rochelle. Thanks, Brian.
Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.